For those who have trouble distinguishing conspiracy theories from reality, your pastor has not killed a person. Uh, <clears throat> just want just to make that clear. That doesn't mean that God can't redeem someone who has. I, I, I have a, a personal friend who is a, uh, a pastor that has really mightily been used by the Lord. Who? Yeah. yeah. Was, in, was in prison for first degree murder before the Lord got a hold of his life really change things. So God does that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to talk today about presence or presence. I didn't come up with that. Kevin came up with that. and I'm just not that clever. Uh, <laughs> but would you stand with me? We're going to read two uh, verses of scripture, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, and they both matter. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life that are in your word. And I pray, Father, that you would, that, that word would be manifested in every heart and every, every person who hears what goes forth today. Uh, not because I have anything to say, but I believe you have something to say. And so, Father, we want to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, English is a, is a difficult language, people. Uh, for those of you that it's a first language, you're very fortunate. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough second language to get. And for reasons like this, I mean, you have words that you got two, two letters difference at the end. You pronounce them exactly the same. They mean totally different things. Uh, we're just clever that way. Uh, as, English, as English speakers, we make, our, we make it difficult. Uh, but let's go with, the, let's go with the, the presence with a T first. What... What do you remember? I mean, in terms of presents that you've received over the years, it doesn't have to be at Christmas time, but in terms of presents that you receive, what uh, is burned into your memory as, wow, this was, this was great. This was really important. For me, it was, uh, it was a pair of cowboy boots and spurs that I got. I mean, when I was, I don't remember, I was probably, I was either five or six years old, and this is evidence that it, I mean, I've gotten presents that cost a lot more than this. Uh, I've gotten presents at more significant times. But the reason why this one is important to me was I, I got these cowboy boots and spurs, and I was pretty excited about them, you know. And so, you know, I'd walk kind of like this so that my spurs would touch the ground. And uh, we went out in the front yard. It was at Christmas time. We went out in the front yard after, uh, after the presents, and my dad was shooting, shooting off fireworks. And somebody, there must have been some other kids there or something, because I remember there was another man. But <clears throat> they were shooting off fireworks. And, you know, I was probably about as, I mean, our yard may have been maybe as wide as this platform. But in, in those days, it looked like it was about a quarter of a mile uh, to a five-year-old. And I was standing back far away from the fireworks. And I don't know if it was a bottle rocket or if, it, if, it, if they shot off a, 
a string of fireworks and they started flying everywhere. But one of them started coming directly for my head. And, you know, as a, as a six-year-old, I could see my life flash before me. And, and as I started to go back and I had those spurs on, I fell over backwards just as it went, shoo. They saved my life. <laughs> I mean, I'm convinced that that, that that gift saved my life. So it's a present. It's a present that I remember. Um, this is my, my second uh, Christmas without Margaret after 42, 43 Christmases with her, 42 Christmases with her. Um, and so uh, last year, obviously, was my first. And in the intervening year, I have four people that I consider to be pretty close friends, four men, interestingly enough, who all lost long-term spouses this year. And I can tell you that every single one of them would trade every present with a T that you could possibly not just put under their tree, but put over, over their house and fill their yard with for the presence that starts with a, that has a C that's missing in their lives. Uh, the presence is a present. That's first thing to know. You know, this season is difficult for many people, not just those who've lost a loved one, someone who's been dear to them over the last year. It's difficult for, for a lot of people for, for different reasons. And, uh, but let's, let's go back to this guy, Joseph. It was a difficult time for him. Now, let me, let me just say that uh, obviously uh, it probably wasn't December the 25th or around December the 25th or, or whatever, uh, but as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's not the actual date that matters. What matters is what you do with it. And it's a very important thing, I believe, for Christians to stop at some point in time and ponder and consider the awesome miracle of Christ's birth. And some people go, well, you know, the resurrection is really more important. Yeah, and the cross is really more important. Yeah, but neither one of those would have happened without the incarnation. Without God coming and, and, and being with us. Uh, and so anyway, Joseph found out that the girl that he was betrothed to was with child. Uh, I'm going to assume he was in love. Ever been in love? Anybody? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> I'd be <mean>, good grief. <laughs> Newlyweds back there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, I'm going to assume he was in love. Now, how to, you know, if you're in love and you're engaged to somebody and you finally find out, well, they're with child and it wasn't me. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good lick. That's a pretty good blow coming at you. As hard as this was for Mary, it, it had to be pretty hard for Joseph as well. Uh, and not only that, you know, if he stayed with her, well, what's going to happen? I mean, everybody's going to know. Nazareth is not New York City. What happens in Nazareth doesn't, may stay in Nazareth, but everybody in Nazareth is going to know about it. And he had decided that he was going to divorce her quietly, that he, would, that he would put her away quietly. He was 
he followed the law, but he was a good man, and he didn't want to uh, expose her to public disgrace. And then he had a dream. Now, I don't buy the notion that all dreams are, are from God, but clearly some dreams are from God. God can speak to us in dreams. You know, we like, to, we, we like, uh, we like sliced bread. We, we like for things to be nice and neat, you know, so some people go, ah, dreams, they're not from God. And some people go, every dream is from God. No, some dreams are from God. And part of the, you know, some, some dreams are just, you know, you're just downloading junk. And, and some dreams are probably from the enemy and some dreams are from God. And it takes like, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit to differentiate that. And you kind of have to walk it out. Uh, you know, you don't, you got to slice your own bread in this particular case, but you got you got a helper. And so he had this dream, and an angel appeared to him. In fact, it was it was the angel Gabriel who had who had appeared to Mary. An angel appeared to him. Now, just because an angel comes in a dream doesn't mean that dream's from God. Uh, Paul says over in Second Corinthians that even a, even Satan appears as an angel of light. He disguises himself as an angel of light. Uh, but but Joseph. Joseph apparently had a sensitivity to the presence and the Spirit of God that he knew, well, this one's from God. He was, he was chosen to raise the Christ child. Mary was chosen to carry the Christ child. Of course, she was involved in raising, but he was, he was chosen to, to raise the Christ because he was the kind of man who knew God's presence. And he, uh, and, and he was the kind of man who, who knew how to walk in faith. Uh, and, you know, the presence of God isn't just another worldliness. You know, it's not just an experience. I mean, people have experiences at seances. You know, people have experiences over, over Ouija boards and things. Now, the, the presence of God has a, has a distinct texture, a distinct feeling, a distinct purity about it. And he was told, Go ahead and take Mary. Don't be afraid to do this because the child has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. She hasn't been unfaithful to you. And he was also told the name Jesus, which is pretty cool because I think if you you read in Luke, Mary was also told the name. Now, I don't think that Mary came to him and said, oh, listen, I'm I'm with child, but it's okay. It wasn't you. It was the Holy Spirit, and we're going to name him Jesus. I don't think... I mean... I don't think she got all that out. Can you imagine the moment whenever Joseph went, I know how to test this. What do you think we should name him? Jesus. <gasps> yeah, God, God has a way of confirming things. And the reason why this was happening was, was re- revealed by Isaiah the prophet. Uh, 700 years earlier, we, uh, we read it, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we have a tendency to look at this prophecy and kind of go, oh, the virgin birth. Yeah, that's, that's a miracle. Well, it is a miracle, but it's not at all the biggest miracle in that verse. The biggest miracle in that verse is God with us. The presence has come to be with us. He has many names. Jesus is the one that, that we know him by, actually. That wasn't the name that he probably, he would have never heard that word while he was here. He would have heard Yeshua 
but it's an Anglicization that Jesus is, and I don't have any problem with Anglicizations because I'm Anglo. I'm, I'm a, an English speaker, but, uh, you know, and it, and it means something to me. In fact, it, it's not just a word. It's a prayer. It's a prayer because it means save. Save. He has many names. But he also has many titles. And the most incredible title that he has, in my mind, isn't Prince of Peace, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Those are important. But the most incredible title that he has is Emmanuel. The angel didn't say, name him Emmanuel. They said that's what he'll be called. He will be called God with us. And it doesn't just mean that God has come to be with us. It also means Jesus is God. You know, sometimes you hear people kind of go, well, the Bible doesn't say Jesus is God. Well, they don't know the Bible. Jesus never claimed to be God. He accepted worship. I can really only think of one other person in the Scripture who accepted worship, uh, certainly in the New Testament, and that would have been Herod, and God struck him dead for doing it. Jesus accepted worship. He knew who he was. And in fact, John says over in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known, and not just made him known, but he's brought him here. Presence. Well, what does the presence do? What does, what does God's presence do when it comes into our life? Well, one of the things it does is it, it brings wonder. It absolutely brings wonder. Um, Jesus was going into, uh, into a town, and there was a little guy, little short guy. Does anybody know what the little short guy's name was? He was a tax collector. Was a wee little man. And, and a wee little man was he, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord to see. And so you know he wasn't part of the in crowd or probably didn't have anybody that could, could make the introductions. Can you imagine what, what he thought, what everybody thought when Jesus looked up and said, Hey, Zacchaeus, I know your name. He stopped at a, at a well in Samaria. And a woman came and he had a conversation with her. See, wonder isn't all necessarily about fireworks and falling out in the spirit and stuff. It can be about a bunch of different stuff. Uh, <clears throat> he came, and after she talked to him for a while, she went into town and said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He knows me. He doesn't just know your name. He knows, knows you. Wonder. When he was a child, uh, his parents took him to Jerusalem to, to the feast. And I don't know how you do this, but they left and forgot to bring their boy with them. And they got a little ways out, and they went, ooh, we better go find him. And they didn't. You know, and they found him in the temple. And, you know, you know what he said. He said, didn't you know that I would have to be in my father's house? But there's another verse there that says the, the men were... Uh, amazed 
at the wisdom and insight that he had. Uh, one, one more with, with, uh, <clears throat> with his disciples. He was sleeping in a boat, which is the best thing to do in a boat, by the way. He, he, was, he was sleeping in a boat, and a storm came up, and they went and awakened him and said, don't you care that we're going to perish? And he gets up and he goes, stop. And it did. And it says they were amazed that even the winds and the, and the waves would obey him. Counselor, when he comes, he brings, he brings counsel. Have you ever been confused? Are you confused right now? If you watch the news, you are confused right now. I'll tell you that for sure. And, and you know, and some people go, well, I got to watch the news. You need to know what's going on. You don't find out what's going on by watching the news. Because what's going on isn't what they're talking about. What they're talking about is what God's got to say. He brings, he brings counsel. Nicodemus came to him at night. And, you know, and this guy was a member of the, of the Jewish ruling council. This was a Pharisee. This guy knew some stuff. And he came and Jesus schooled him. And, and explaining mysteries to him and explaining what's really going on, he said, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life, have everlasting life. You know, there are people, there are people who, who have trouble with the concept of, of a God who sends his son to sacrifice him and die for the world. What kind of God would do that? If your child, your son, your daughter, one close to you, were to give their life to rescue and save a bunch of people, what kind of parent are you if you would be proud of them? That's the answer to the question of what kind of God would send his son to die for the world. When the, uh, the last week before, the, res before the, the crucifixion, before the resurrection too, uh, <clears throat> Jesus was in Jerusalem and they would come to him with questions. And they would, and they would ask him his question. And there were, there were no questions he didn't know the answer to. Uh, you know, now there were some questions they probably couldn't understand the answer to, but, but there were one. And I, my favorite one is the one when the Sadducees, who did not believe in the resurrection, came to him and they said, look, we've got, a, we've got a hypothetical case. There was this woman. She was married to seven different brothers. And when, when they, you know, on the other side, in the resurrection, who's she going to be married to? You know, and Jesus, uh, that was one of those things that really they couldn't necessarily understand. So he said, that's not how it works in heaven. But concerning the resurrection, I know you only believe what Moses wrote. But have you never read? where Moses at the burning bush asked God who he was, and he said, I'm the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Jacob was the third in that line, and he had died some 400 years earlier. Jesus said, he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. So even Moses talks about the resurrection. And, and you know, he, he, would, he would blow their minds with their, with their questions, and he asked them a question, which they couldn't, well, they, they thought they could answer. He said, well, whose son is the Christ? 
And that's, oh, he's the son of David. We know that. Well, what you know is this much. Let me tell you about this much. If he's David's son, why does David call him Lord? How can he be both his Lord and his son? Well, they wouldn't accept it, but he was trying to get them to see that perhaps God had come and been born of the line of David. Counselor. There's nothing that can, that can stump him. Strength. Mighty God. Isaiah says he gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. And not all issues of strength have to do with muscles and, 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 and guns or weapons or anything like that. He has the power to heal. I mean, if you've got, if you've got a, a, a disease, there's not a gun in the world that's going to heal you. There's not a, 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 a bunch of muscles in the world that can take care of that, but he can. If you need the sea split open, you don't, you don't have enough muscles to split a sea open, but he can do that in your life. He has, he has the power to provide. Whenever uh, uh, April was talking about, you know, when, uh, when, uh, when she and Aubrey were, were first married, and I, and I guess a lot of people kind of feel this way. You know, well, we got to pay this stuff first, and then we'll take care of what we owe God next. No, 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 no. You, you don't have the power to provide. He has the power to provide. You take care of him first, then he takes care of you. And God math, am I right? I mean, you get things where you're kind of going, uh, there's no way that this much money pays this many bills. And then you get to the end of the month and those bills are paid and the, there's still money left. You know, there's still oil. The, the, the jar of oil doesn't run out. The, the, the meal doesn't run out, even though there's famine going on in the land. He has the power to provide. Manna in the wilderness. Jesus, you go, well, what, what's he got to do with that? Jesus said, I'm that bread. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. I'm, I'm the one. He even provided wine at a wedding. This is, this is a Jesus who gets down. <laughs> and he provides. Because we, we sometimes think, well, you know, this isn't important enough to bring to God. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody there knew him better than his mother. And it may not seem like it was important, but she knew he'll take care of it. I just need to take it to him. And that's what she did. And his presence brings peace. God's presence can be frightening initially, but to those who will invite him in rather than fight him, Invite rather than fight. It ultimately ends up in peace. What do you want this season? What, what, are, you, what are you hoping is under the tree? What are you hoping will come your way this season? Presence or presence? Uh, you know, we're so busy. That's, uh, most people probably haven't even stopped to consider it that much. We're so busy. We started hearing back when I was a kid, Jesus is the reason for the season. That slogan didn't work. It's only gotten worse. And just because you got that slogan somewhere on your property doesn't mean that you're paying any attention to it. 
Uh, this is the feel-good part of the sermon, okay? <laughs> you can have both presence and presence. You know, many suffer from depression this time of year. And, 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 you know, I know that there are a lot of reasons that that can happen. But for most people, it's because that hole in the center of their spirit is empty. Even those who at some point have known him, it's empty because we don't have time for him right now. And it can only be filled by him. Now, some don't intentionally opt for, uh, for presence with a T over presence with a C. But we're so busy. There's so much to do. There's baking to get done. And hallelujah, keep baking, please. That's, I like that. But there's baking. But, you know, you can bake. You know, my mom, when, when, she, used to, when she used to be in the kitchen and cook, uh, they didn't have uh, Alexa in those days, and, and they didn't have um, uh, Apple Music or anything like that. She made her own music. Yeah. And she may not have known all the latest songs, but, boy, she sure knew the old ones. And she sang them. Sang them. <laughs> so there's baking to do there's, there are visits to take there's decorations to put up so many movies to watch we can't have Christmas without seeing that and that and that oh white Christmas yeah you know we got, I mean there's no Christmas without all of those all of those movies etc one of the things that I've discovered, and I, I probably knew it, but you really find it out as a pastor. One of the things that I've discovered over the last few decades is people do what they want to do. People do what they want to do. Just that simple. And I'm not saying don't watch movies. I'm not saying don't go visit people, don't decorate, don't bake. I, I, I'm, I'm saying put it in perspective. Many won't sing the praises during this year. And you kind of go, well, I can't sing. My dad couldn't sing. He did anyway. You know, it was, it was kind of cute, actually. And God probably thought it was even better than that. Many people won't come and worship on December the 25th. It won't be because... Uh, they of COVID. It won't be because, you know, they're going to be out of town or anything like that. It'll just be because they don't want to. Don't want to get out of my, my comfy PJs today. You know, now, if you don't come because of, of COVID, I, I understand that. But, you know, many people, it's none of those reasons. It's just eh, the want to's not there. Many people won't open the book and read the story. Oh, I know the story. Every time I read it, something new happens. Every time I read it, something awakens in my spirit that wasn't there before I sat down and read it. And especially if you've got kids. Read How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That, that, that's a good story. Read that to them. But read the story. 
Matthew, Luke. Those are the two Gospels that contain it. It won't take long. Break the habits. I just know that the greatest present with the T is the, His presence with the C. Because when He comes, wonderful things happen. They may not be flashy. They may not be something that you know, you're going to post on Instagram or something. But they, they happen in, inside. And if you, and, you know, and let, and let me just say this. Let's, let's say you blitz through the season. Let's go, well, but Pastor, you've really been a buzzkill today. You know, let, let's say that you, you blitz through the season and you get to the end of it, you get to the other side and the sugar rush ends. And you know what I'm talking about. And it's like, uh, he's still there. He can still be invited in at that point in time, full of wonder. Exchange what's not real for what is real. God, God is real. God with us. Counselor, regardless of your situation, there's an answer for what, for what you need an answer to. And you're, pro- you're not going to find it in a self-help book. You're not going to find it uh, on TV. You're not going to... You'll find it. He, he likely is the answer. You know, sometimes he comes and your questions just aren't there anymore. Because they get put in perspective. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Mighty God, regardless of what your need is, regardless of what your situation is, he is able. Prince of Peace, stop Stop looking at the world. Stop listening to the world. You'll have more peace if you'll just stop listening to what the world has to say. And you'll, and you'll actually hear more of what he has to say. Isaiah says this, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. That's a promise. That's pretty good. Worship team, you guys can come on out. Third Advent. What, does anybody remember what she said this candle was? Joy. How would you like some joy for Christmas? My favorite psalm. Boy, when I, when I, first, when I first came back to the Lord, I, it was uh, Jesus People Days. And when I first came back to the Lord, uh, three or four nights a week, I'd go, I'd go, hang, I'd go to, a, to a Bible party. I mean, we didn't call it Bible study because we didn't know what we were going to do when we got there. And we didn't call it worship night or whatever. We just got a bunch of people together who love Jesus, and let's see what we want to do. And occasionally they would go, oh, let's all go around and share our favorite psalm. And I remember thinking, dang, I wish I had a favorite psalm. You know, I don't know them well enough. I got to get me one. And my favorite psalm is Psalm 16. And you know what the last verse of Psalm 16 says? In his presence is a fullness of joy. Fullness of joy is probably something we have never experienced. I mean, take the most joyful moment that ever happened in your life, and it's probably this, and a fullness of joy is infinity to infinity. comes with his presence.